This podcast is powered by the leading at the top of your game development experience. If you would like to work with Karen and the shockingly different leadership team to up-level the leadership execution acumen within your organization, visit developingyourgame.com to find out more. Yeah, with the with the pace of change, especially in telecommunications, I love, love, love to uh, to be innovative and to be there in the forefront creating. Um, I, my brand has kind of been one who challenges the status quo and one who um, who comes up with who thinks outside of the box and, and comes up with new strategies. Welcome to the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast where we equipped you to more effectively lead your seat at any employer, business, or industry in which you choose to play. Each week, we help you sharpen your leadership acumen by cracking open the playbooks of dynamic leaders who are doing big things in their professional endeavors. And now your host, leadership tactics and organizational development expert, Karen Farrell-Rhodes. Hey there, superstars. This is Karen, and welcome to today's episode. One of the essential accountabilities of exemplary leaders is to forge a path where none previously existed. You too may find yourself asked to lead an effort where there is not a playbook to follow. Our guest today has experienced a life and career of many firsts. We are so honored to have Monica Alexander, who's the VP of Service Transformation at Charter Spectrum which is a major corporate player in the communications industry. Monica was kind enough to share invaluable nuggets of advice on how to survive and thrive when leading in an area of uncertainty. Be sure to listen to her addition to our leadership execution playbook and my closing segment called Karen's Take, where I share a tip on how to use insights from today's episode to further sharpen your leadership acumen. And now enjoy the show. Hey there, superstars. This is Karen and welcome today to today's episode. I am super thrilled and excited to have as our guest today one of my very dear friends and a mentor to me and someone I so look up to because she is the bomb.com. We have today Miss Monica Alexander who is the VP of Service Transformation for Charter Communications. So welcome to the show, Monica. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here today. Oh, we're so excited to have you. So are you ready to give us a sneak peek into that leadership playbook of yours? I am. Let's go. Let's get it started. All right. Wonderful. Well, Monica, I love to start... um, the episodes off with giving um, our listeners just a little bit about your background because you know we're all more common than different and so for as much as you feel comfortable will you share a little bit about um, kind of you know where you're born and your childhood upbringing um, maybe a sneak peek into your personal life right now and just a tad about your professional journey so far. Yeah, sure. So I I will start with I am a Georgia peach. Um, I was born in Valdosta, Georgia. Um, I am the oldest of seven children. Um, There's one unique thing about me. I am 
of the seven children, I am the only children, the only child that shares my mother and my father. Uh, the others are half siblings. So I'm the oldest. And then my parents, uh, they were high school sweethearts. They both married and had children uh, with their spouses. So, but I still am the oldest of seven. Um, I was born, like I said, in Georgia. Um, between, uh, and this will tie into the story later, but between first grade and third grade, I lived in Georgia, in Michigan, and in Florida. So I moved every year um, uh, growing up. Uh, and then I we, we finally uh, stayed in Florida, which is where I graduated from high school, went to college. Um, I currently live in right outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, I am married. I have two amazing children, my husband, Vincent Alexander, and my, uh, my, my two children, uh, Vincent and, uh, and Jalen. Wonderful. Well, you know, blended work um, families, that's what more common than not these days. So um, it's definitely a very interesting background. And tell us a little bit about um, kind of your professional journey. Where did you start? And where are you? How did that lead you to what you're doing now? Yeah, so I, 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 I attended Florida State uh, University, um, and I majored in management information systems, um, love statistics, love data. Um, I, I started my career uh, working in Florida, and then I uh, moved to, uh, to North Carolina in the banking industry. Um, and I've been here over 20 years. Um, I am current. I started out in IT doing data, doing testing. Um, I moved into software, uh, and then I moved into telecommunications, which I now lead up the AI uh the AI segment of our uh, our organization, uh, coming up with new strategies on how to use data um, to improve our customer experience. Oh, that is amazing. And, you know, um, listen, out of full transparency, although Monica and I hadn't worked together, um, I did have a stint in my corporate career working for Comcast. And um, I know that industry has really evolved, you know, over the last, you know, 15 or so years, the technology has improved, um, there are new markets that weren't in uh, the communications industry. Uh, back in the day, as I'll say, I'm, I'm calling um, attention to my age here. But, um, you know, being an executive in this industry, past changing industry, is absolutely humongous. Um, so congratulations, Ms. Monica, on surviving. I'm sure you have, <laughs> you have interesting stories behind that. <laughs> it's interesting you say that. The thing about the telecommunications industry is it's pandemic. Um, I'm going to say pandemic proof, meaning um, it, it lasts it, and it's forever changing. It's, it's forever evolving. They're forever recreating themselves, which makes it exciting. No, I bet it does. And, you know, Monica, I know that you've had a unique experience in, you know, um, starting up new divisions or in starting up new teams um, within the industry. And, uh, you know, from organizational effective perspective, I know that is extremely challenging. But I would love to hear from you as a leader who has uh, survived to tell the story, you know, what are some of your lessons learned and challenges around um, being in the tech industry and starting new things? Yeah, with the with the pace of change, especially in telecommunications, I love, love, love 
to uh, to be innovative and to be there in the forefront creating. Um, I, my brand has kind of been one who challenges the status quo and one who um, who comes up with who thinks outside of the box and, and comes up with new strategies. So uh, my 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 current assignment, uh, which I've been on for about eighteen months, was to build a team um, from scratch. I started with three employees and we're at about forty right now. And 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 what there was there was a concept um, that was given to me, but w- I quickly found that uh, I had to go back and realign with all the leaders to to really say, okay, this is what the concept means. Um, it was, it was servicing with context uh, was the concept, uh, but it meant something different to every leader. And so to even move to even build to start to build the organization, the first thing I had to do was to level set on what we were building. Um, and and um, I like doing that because it allows me to to just kind of hear uh, everybody's vision. Like, what is it that you think it is? And what is it that you think it is? Think, think that, that service in the context means. And then take all of those um, ideas and, and, and kind of merge them together. Um, and so I, what I'll say is what I quickly learned is that everything's not black and white. Um, and things don't always appear. Um, they're, not, they're not always as they appear. I bet. And especially at the levels that you're working with, with so many probably key stakeholders that you're having to, uh, I guess, bring together um, in order to get a strategy moving forward. I mean, how do you navigate the different perspectives? Because I'm sure everybody has their own their their own passion about how to move forward. And I mean, how, how do you in your opinion, how do you do that in getting everybody aboard? And is there a point that you just call a spade a spade and say, look, I've, you know, I've taken into account everyone's perspective. I've tried to take the best of all worlds, but in order to meet our business strategy, you know, this is how we're going to move forward. Yeah. So I I think it's important to level set on what, what our why is, what are we doing and why are we doing it in the beginning? Um, And then seek, seek, perspective. Seek to understand everybody's perspective. What is sales going to say? What is marketing going to say? What is technology going to say? And when you understand their perspective and their bottom line um, and their why, and you make sure you incorporate that why, all of those whys into the the ultimate vision, you get buy-in. And if you get buy-in at the beginning on the why, you always have that to go back to um, throughout the process. And because you're going to run into the roadblocks where someone's going to, you know, they're going to pump on the breaks and you just, you kindly use that reference point to say, okay, remember, this is why we're doing this, or this is why this decision was made. So it's it's extremely important to spend the early days defining the why and making sure everybody understand understands why so-and-so thinks this or why so-and-so thinks this, so that through the process, you have that as a, as a refocusing point. No, that's a great, great bit of nugget there. Um, and I know in your position, not only this position, but your previous positions, you've had to uh, galvanize a team and, you know, encourage their buy-in and followership to do, you know, whatever your uh, main priorities of your department is. I'm just curious for you, when you evaluate your staff, what does lead at the top of the game 
look for you? Like, what are some of the traits that you're looking to pop out for some of your top performing leaders? Um, for my for my leaders, um, I tell or staff them, either yeah, one. <laughs> yeah, and I tell them my leaders, my staff, my team. I tell them, tell me what I need to hear, and don't tell me what you think I want to hear. Um, uh, that's one of the things I tell them all the time, and and the reason is. I hire people that are smarter than me for a reason, and your opinion may differ from my opinion. And I, I feel like when we can um, thrive in that collaborative environment where people are feel empowered to share their opinion, even or their perspective, even if it differs from mine, we win because we 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 win because we've kind of battle tested the idea or the thought that that we are are toying around with uh, prior to going out to try to sell it and get buy in. No, that is perfect. I love that. Um, and some people are, um, what I love about that is that a lot of leaders don't encourage that from their staff. Their staff are hesitant or afraid to, um, I want to disagree. say get, to, to disagree. disagree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's part of the uh, the workplace dynamic. Sometimes you can always politely and tactfully disagree for the better good, right, to, in, to improve what the whole group is doing, but opening the door to allowing that rich dialogue is invaluable, um, in my opinion, to helping the whole group succeed. Do you agree? I absolutely agree. And it's, it's interesting that you, you honed in on that because I kind of have three principles when leading, when, when leading or creating a strategy. It's one, the people to the service that we're providing to our customers, whether that's internal or external. And then three, the value. How are we creating value? Um, sustainable value, that is. And we're talking about the people aspect right now. You have to invest in your people um, and you have to empower your people. I mean, you have to um you have to understand your people. Um, and, and me, I talked about moving around a lot as a child. I had to fit into environments. So I, I was, I'm really good at reading the nonverbals um, and, and, and understanding the trends and the patterns of, okay, this is how so-and-so responds when they're uncomfortable, or this is how so-and-so responds when they feel challenged. Um, and so I pay attention to the little details as a people leader. So as I'm doing one-on-ones with my teams and I'm asking for feedback, I can tell, I can tell by their nonverbals. Uh, a lot of times I can, I can use that emotional intelligence to tell, you know, how do I approach this or, are, or are they holding something back to, to as a leader strategically, you know, you know, drive the conversation so that the, the outputs are what we need to be successful as a team. Wow, that's so fantastic and very astute. Um, and emotional intelligence, as you mentioned, is so important, um, you know, in for successful leaders. I mean, that's came out of the research that I did, as well as, you know, you, you name their millions of leadership research studies out there, but being able to, you know, be open, watch the both verbal and nonverbal cues and zone in to be curious um, and to understand why people are feeling that way, you know, is, is hugely important. And, you know, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. There's a quote, and I actually have it right here on my phone. It says, leadership is getting others to achieve what they wouldn't otherwise achieve without your influence. And so I feel like it's my job as a leader to 
to pull that out of them and to inspire them and, and to encourage and motivate them to, um, to, 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 to shoot for the stars. I love that. I absolutely love that. And, you know, one of the other things I'd love for you to share with um, our listeners today, um, you've had a very unique life experience um, from um, going into a field that not many, to be honest with you, women of color were going into at the time. Um, You've had, you know, even in your childhood background, um, some, you know, new experiences that you had to kind of forge your way through. And you've been so kind to share with me that you've kind of always been, you know, first at this, that or the other. So I love our listeners to um, to hear a little bit about that theme throughout your life and how you've been successful because it, it's scary being first <laughs> doing <Yes>. things. <laughs> and the thing about being first is people think you know everything. They um, do. <laughs> And one of the first, you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable and you have to be comfortable saying, well, I don't know, but here's what we need to do to find out. Um, and so I was, I, I was, as I was preparing for this, I, I, I was, I'm the only, I'm the oldest child. Um, I'm, I was the first African-American female manager in our IT department in 2006 when I got promoted. Um, I was the first, um, to participate in this inaugural leadership program that our company um, organized. I, I laugh. I, I'm kind of like the guinea pig is what I tell people. They're <laughs> like, hey, like Mikey, if you remember from back in the day when everyone was like, give it to Mikey. They're like, give it to Monica. She'll try it. Um, so that's kind of my brand. But um, in, in being the first, um, I think, one, you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. You have to be comfortable. Um, no, saying I don't know and not and knowing that 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 is not a question of your intelligence or your intellect, but you may not know yet. And they don't know either because they ask you to do it. Um, you also have to be comfortable um, with your ideas. Um, and people sometimes, you know, people cha- at this level, people challenge your ideas because everybody's jockeying for position. Um, and being a woman of color, a lot of times I'm the only woman. I'm the only woman in the room, and I'm the only person of color in the room. Um, and um, whether we talk about it or not, you know, there there are there are cultural norms that 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 happen in organizations and that happen in these rooms. And sometimes I, I feel like an outsider, but I have to be comfortable. With what I, with my knowledge, and and sometimes I even have to ask them if we've never done this before. What makes your idea? What makes your idea better than mine? Um, and, and and then the thing that I have learned is we have to do something and not spend a, a whole lot of time. I call it pontificating about an idea, and and not be afraid to take risk. And and the principle that I have around this is fail fast fail frequent and fail forward um, because at least you learn. And if you learn from that, per- that experience, your perspective can change. And it's no longer that you failed is that you gained insight and, and, and you can now adjust and move forward. Wow. Okay. Listeners, that's our quote. Fail fast, fail frequent and fail forward. Love that. <laughs> Now, I'm going to challenge you just a tad, Ms. Monica, and pull back a little bit of the layer of the onion there, because it's easier said than done um, to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And uh, being comfortable um, 
means kind of understanding yourself and finding your way through it, even though you might have some anxiety about it. And I'm just curious, how do you personally do that? I mean, because it has to be challenging when you're going against your, you know, your peer group at the executive levels and you're, you know, challenging them like, okay, I have an idea. You have an idea. How do we determine which idea is actually better? Um, You know, is there something that you do um, to navigate that or do you just charge forward and then decompress when you get home (laughs) if it was a challenging conversation Um, you know a lot of times it is a conversation and I have to take a step back to understand perspective Um, and a lot of times I I go into the conversation and I'll say help me understand help me understand this. Instead of saying, no, you're wrong. I'll go into, Hey, I, can you help me understand this? I'm struggling. I'm struggling. And and a part of, um, one of the core values or or attributes that I have that people have often told me, uh, was, was unique is my authenticity. Um, and I, I go in being me and I go in, um, with a genuine concern of, can you help me understand? Cause I'm struggling. And, a lot of times when I do that, it, it, it allows them to remove the veil. And if you listen, people will talk. So I ask the question and then I shut up. So I don't go in trying to argue my point. I go in seeking understanding. Ooh, there we go. That is a great piece of nugget, everyone. We just seek to understand. And I'm sure if, as you listen to individuals, you'll pick up on certain uh, comments or cues to um to have to make the to uh, address in your conversation to go deeper to help in the decision making correct because i can probe more so once i understand then i can probe and ask the right questions then i know what's important to them and when you know what's important to them you can um shape the conversation around what's important to them and not what's important to you um because you're never going to get someone on your side focusing only on what's important to you Absolutely. You're so right. You're so right. And as a person who has risen through the ranks, um, if you will, what is what is one thing about leadership? It might have been a, a myth or maybe a nugget that you wish somebody would have told you when you first entered the job market. What is something that you wish you have had known then that you know now about leadership, then the challenges of leadership? I, I think. The myth of leadership is that leaders know everything. The myth isn't that, I mean, we don't know everything. Leaders shouldn't know everything. Leaders should know how to go and find and or corral the troops to find out the answer. Um, And so a lot of times we look to the leader to say, what should we do? And instead of answering, I I turn the question back. I don't know. What are your thoughts? What do you think we should do? Um, and, And I think that's a myth of leadership that, you know, I wish I would have I mean, you know, you know I, I don't wish I would have learned it earlier. I'm glad that I learned it the way that I learned it because it allowed me, it allows me to be a better leader. Oh, that's, that's so fantastic. It's so funny you said that because I was just talking to someone the other day and I said, you know, one of the things that people don't understand, especially those in the, you know, uh, VP and sweet suite is that they have a, underlying level of insecurity about whether they're making the right move or decision moving forward. The people assume that they have all the answers and they generally, you know, usually really don't. Um, They have enough 
astuteness to take data, as you say, and and try to combine it and make the right, you know, the mm, the decision uh, that has the least risk. Yeah. But people think that they just you know have all the answers, and they don't, and they know the expectations of. Uh, their departments and teams. And one of the biggest fears that they I've seen them have is they just don't want to let their people down or the company down or themselves down. So yeah, they're, they're trying to... that's a real feeling. And it's, uh, yes. it's imposter syndrome. Um, yeah. and as I was going through, I went through a two year leadership program where I change roles every six months. And so I was, I had to lead people that I had no idea what they did. But it made me a stronger leader because it, it helped me probe. It helped me be vulnerable and connect with people. Um, and it, and it helped me to really like listen and ask for what I need. When you're, when you're leading people and you can't eat, you don't know what they do. You have to take a different approach. And, um, and, 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 and in that situation, I would say I kind of perfected being comfortable, um, being uncomfortable, um, by being vulnerable. Um, and going in, hey, I am the student here and, and you are the teacher. Help me understand um, what it is that you're doing. What are your challenges? Um, how can I help? Um, and, and when you go in with that approach, I don't care if you're talking to frontline people or if you're talking to senior executives. If simplicity and vulnerability and authenticity, I think, are the keys to, um, to, to moving the needle in those situations. No, absolutely. You're so spot on. And in the spirit of being self-reflective and ongoing learning, um, for as much as you feel comfortable, I love to say that that phrase, but um, as you as a leader, like what is one, we're always working on something, right? We're always trying to um, continuously develop ourselves and sharpen our skills. What is one area that you continue to try to develop even at this stage of your career um, to kind of help sharpen, to help you become a better leader? Um, there's, there's two. One is keeping it simple. Um, I work in technology um, and a lot of times the concepts are technical and they're complex, but if you can't explain it um, and tell your story, so it's keeping it simple and telling your story um, and telling it in the, in the language that resonates with your audience. Um, and so whether I'm talking to the, the engineering team, um, I need to be able to speak their language. Whether I'm talking to the, the marketing team, I need to be able to speak their language. So being able to keep that message simple um, and, and, and speak in the, in, the, in the language of the audience so that they can receive it um, is is, is one of the things that I think at this level you you have to you have to hone your craft and be really good at doing that's that that separates those that do really really well the good from the great is what I'll say it sure does it sure does absolutely well thank you so much for sharing that um with us um, as you know, um, I actually did research and did a book on some, you know, some of the uh, traits of high-performing leaders. And I was just curious, uh, Monica, if there was one of those leadership tactics and traits that kind of popped out for you that really resonates, that are as important to be an exemplary leader. Um, I'm going to say courageous agility is, okay. is one that, that resonated with me. Um, and tell me why. When you're the first and you're doing something new, you can't afraid of, of being wrong. 
Um, you can't be afraid of failing. Um, you can't be afraid of what others might say. You kind of just have to go um, mm-hmm. and, and, and attack it head on. Um, and like I said, you have to fail fast. Uh, <laughs> you have to fail fast for a frequent and fail forward. Um, yeah. If you're failing, you're making progress. Um, and so uh, courageous leadership to me is the one that really, really resonates for those reasons. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. That was very insightful. (laughs) Well, we are rounding out our segment. I can't believe time has flown by such as it has, but we have one more fun segment that we love to include with all of our guests, and it's called Full Disclosure. And uh, I say up front, there's no gotcha questions. It's just to put a little edge onto that personality to help our listeners know a bit more about you. And so my first question for you is, um, do you have any types of hobbies that you'd love to share uh, with the audience? Sure. Uh, let me see. I would probably say traveling. I love, traveling. love, love to travel. Um, okay. so that Domestic, international, both? Um, international. My husband and I are actually going to... Um, oh my God, it just slipped my mind. Where are we going? <laughs> <laughs> that means you're doing a lot of traveling when you can't remember where, <laughs> where you're going. Where we're going. It's, um, oh, that's okay. We, we, we know we're going. Antarctica. I'm sorry. Oh, Antarctica, really? So in January, we've been planning this for a year and a half. We're going to Antarctica in January. Um, so wow. I'm super excited. So. With a group or just the two of you? No, it's with a group. We travel with a, a travel group. We've been to Egypt. We've been to the Maldives. Um, okay, and wonderful. so we are going to go to Antarctica. Antarctica. Wow. Well, you know, I travel a lot too, um, you know, slowed down during the pandemic, but it's kicked back up. But, you know, I've never been to Antarctica. So we're going to have to catch up after this episode and after you it's go so I can see how it went. I like tropical travel. But um, this, my husband, this is the the last continent for him, and so we are going to do it. Oh, good for you! That's hey, that's courageous agility right there <laughs> on your personal life, anyway. <laughs> Taking a chance. Yeah. All right, Miss Monica, can you share with us maybe one of your pet peeves? What is one thing that just absolutely drives you crazy sometimes? Um, I would say dishonesty. Um, and so when people flat out look me in my face and stretch the truth is what I will call it. Um, uh-huh. I, I tell people you can solve for things when you understand, but if yes. it's not, if it's, if you're not solving from a place of, of, of a steady place, you, you'll yes. never get it. You'll never get a, a, a answer that's satisfactory. So I have to be, you have to be willing to operate from a place of truth. Love that. Love that. Absolutely. That's one of mine, too. Um, I have a high degree of integrity. That's part of my core values. And lying is just a no-no with me as well. So we we definitely have that in common. (laughs) So tell me one song that is on your music playlist. Uh, And it could be anything. (laughs) I'm going to go with Drake's um, Make Me Proud. Um, you have, you, have you heard of that? I have, yes. <laughs> Don't ask me to sing it, though. <laughs> yeah, that is I'll rap it, but yeah. <laughs> it's kind of my new song on my, on my playlist. 
Oh, nice, 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 nice. Uh, what is one of your favorite meals? Nachos. Really? <laughs> That's new on me. So I love nachos from the perspective is I love salt. Um, so when oh, I'm yes. able to have like homemade guac, homemade salsa uh, with ground, it doesn't even matter. It can be ground turkey, ground ground beef. It doesn't matter. Ground chicken. Um, just putting that on nachos, piling it up with some jalapenos is one of my favorite meals. Mm, yummy nachos. Okay. I don't think I didn't know that about you. So note to self, nachos is <laughs> Monica's favorite uh, meal. All right. So now that was my last question for you, but I give you one more opportunity. Um, I'd love to, because I'm always peppering people with questions. I give um, I can um, take it as well. So this is where you turn the tables on me. So I can give you one question that you would love to ask me. Um, I'm going to ask you, what are you reading right now? You know, that's a great question. Um, I actually am not reading books at this point in time. Um I am, um, I have a curated set of authors that I read on Medium. So I'm reading more articles right now um, because I'm trying to get a better handle of what's going on in not only workforce, but in the world in general. And so um, right now I am using uh, Medium right now to kind of see what's out there. Um, And I have a whole bookshelf of books that are on cue for later on this year but right now I'm, I'm in the article space so I, I, I look at medium um, I do get regular updates from like um, Harvard Business Review and Forbes and Inc just kind of see what's going on in, in the world of work um, but yeah that's where, where I'm focused right now more of the quick learn quick hit articles versus um, a book that's actually, I mean, that's okay too. I think, I think one of my, one of the things as a leader that I encourage my leaders and I do myself is to read something every day. And so whether every it's day. an article or whether it's a book, yeah. uh, leaders are readers. And I, I think that as long as you're yeah. expanding your mind um, and as long as from a, you're, you're a part of something or you create something that's bigger than just yourself, I think you, you will grow as a leader. Yeah, and thank you for say, saying that. Um, I do that as well as um, I do have a curated list of podcasts too. So um, although I have my own, but I listen to others. So I listen to the podcast while I'm working out. And then I, I have a time in the morning after I meditate to, you know, read a couple of the curated articles and see what's what's on there. And, and you're right, you know, the the <laughs> my daughter calls me the human Google, but it's not really that. It's just you know, being curious about some of the new perspectives or thoughts or even not new, maybe the reinforcing perspectives that are out there helps you to be more aware of, you know, the world and the communities in which we live. So that's my perspective anyway. And it it helps you to navigate. It helps you to navigate um, and and really stay connected with what's going on. It does. It does. Well, all right, Miss Monica, boy, has time fly. So I am so thankful and appreciative for you joining um, myself and the listeners at the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast. You have really outshined <laughs> what our expectations and tons of nuggets of information um, that I know that all of the listeners are going to be able to use. So thank you so much for your gift of time. We really appreciate it. 
Absolutely. Thank you for the invitation. And I, I appreciate you. So thank uh, you. All right. Well, listeners, we have show notes um, that will be included in this episode. So be sure to check those out. We'll have a link to Monica's uh, LinkedIn bio. uh, So you can check her out as well. And we'll have a few other resources and nuggets um, that aligns with some of the lessons learned on today's episode. But without further ado, you all have a fantastic rest of your day and continue leading at the top of your game. Take care. Bye. I hope you enjoyed our conversation today with Monica Alexander, VP of Service Transformation at Charter Spectrum. Links to her bio, her entry into our leadership playbook, and additional resources can be found in the show notes, both at your favorite podcast platform of choice and at the website leadyourgamepodcast.com. And now for Karen's take on today's topic of leading in uncharted territories. Today, I wanted to alert you about a few success inhibitors from Harvard Business Review regarding three common mistakes that executives make when leading novel or new leadership initiatives. The first success inhibitor involves failing to provide the right kind of oversight. You can't get distracted by other priorities if you're the leader, and you must provide constant guidance to your team. Without that oversight, there will be a high probability that your team will not only fail, but will also resent you for putting them in that situation. The second success inhibitor is around not putting the best and most experienced talent in charge of the project. You can't buy what experienced individuals bring to the table. They are the ones who are better at making the calculated risk that might be needed in order for an initiative to succeed. And if you have great talent on your team, Why don't you take a chance and use them, even if it may be a stretch experience for them? And the third success inhibitor is failing to leverage the organization's core capabilities. While the venture initiative that you are tackling may be new, chances are that the organization has data, research, and market expertise to accelerate your chances of success. Take advantage of the infrastructure and teammates that already exist at your fingertips. Many leaders don't have that luxury, and most of your colleagues would be honored to help you. If you enjoyed this topic, more information on developing stronger leadership acumen can be found by clicking on the signature program link on our website, shockinglydifferent.com. Thanks for listening, and see you next week. And that's our show for today. Thank you for listening to the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast, where we help you lead your seat at any employer, business, or industry in which you choose to play. You can check out the show notes, additional episodes, bonus resources, and also submit guest recommendations on our website at leadyourgamepodcast.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn by searching for the name Karen Rhodes with Karen being spelled K-A-R-A-N. And if you like the show, the greatest gift you can give would be to subscribe and leave a rating on your podcast platform of choice. This podcast has been a production of Shockingly Different Leadership, a global consultancy which helps organizations execute their people, talent development, and organizational effectiveness initiatives on an on-demand project or contract basis. Huge thanks to our production and editing team for a job well done. Goodbye for now.